Chance on for Virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Leicester smash four past sorry Newcastle, but hands up who's fit enough to play against Spurs on Thursday. The lowdown on Rob's wedding, Pete goes to see Leicester City women, and lots more, on for fuck's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and newly married Rob Hayes. Hello. Hello. Yes, newly married indeed. How are you? Have you recovered from the hangover from our wedding yet? I was fine. I was up and at them first thing in the morning. I was absolutely fine. I cartwheeled down to the foyer of the hotel uh, alongside all the other zombies from the night before. No, no, no. I, I was a little slow first thing. Actually, no, I was fine first thing. Then I was a bit slow later on in the morning. Then I was absolutely fine uh, as I went off to, to watch Leicester women down at Arsenal. Obviously, do a bit of work as well. But a thoroughly good time was had. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, thank you very much. But uh, were there, what about you? What about you two? Were you, were you uh, feeling slightly worse for wear? No, we were all right, actually. I think because there was so much dancing going on, we didn't actually have the what? chance to drink too much. We were just... Quite tired from, you know, it's, it's a it's a big day. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of people to see. There's a lot of socialising to do. Add to that the fact that we did pretty much six hours solid dancing and that, and that <laughs> kind of uh, knackered us out by sort of Sunday afternoon. But no, it was a brilliant, brilliant day. Brilliant evening, especially when you rocked up. I've got to say, I don't think I've ever seen a more popular solo guest at a wedding <laughs> reception before because... Just to clarify for the listeners, Pete and I have worked together and, and recorded the podcast together for, what, eight years now. Um, and we have some uh, a, lot, a lot of mutual colleagues or former colleagues in my case. Um, but the only other one that was actually invited to the wedding was a um, friend of the podcast, Stephen Jameson, who's, who's been on a couple of times. Uh, but he buggered off about half nine. He did, he did. Leaving Pete, in a, leaving Pete in a room full of people that he didn't know, but he... Took on board the spirit of the fact that he was there to celebrate our wedding. He, in true Pete Selby style, necked a few and then could be found on the dance floor for the rest of the night making lots of friends. So I'm really I'm grateful that you came, Pete, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Shapes were made, beers were drank. I remember when JMO left. I was like, why is he? I think you looked at me at one point. Where's he going? I, was like, I have no idea. Um, I still don't know actually where he went, but. I instantly put it out of my mind and said, "Well, you you go." And then, uh, yeah, and then that was it. It was uh, it was it was game on. It was great. Oh yeah, really good. Um, and uh, and yeah, you sent a message, you know, saying thanks very much and all this sort of thing. Thanks for the present as well. Obviously, had to be slightly Leicester themed. Of course, yes. Two Leicester themed glasses, uh, pint glass for me, and uh, a gin glass for the lady. <laughs> Although I suppose it could be the other way around. Well, yeah, it, it could. It's 2021 after all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, 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 a, and a nice card and nice wrapping paper. Yes, it was all lovely. You, <laughs> you've passed, I think it said on the card. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a you've passed and Christmas decoration on the uh, on the on the thingy. But anyway, whatever. It was yes, it was it was great. Really, good, really, really good. And um, and then, uh, like I said, the next day went down to uh, to watch. Leicester women at Arsenal, working for Arsenal, as all the listeners know, um, and and that was it. That was a very strange experience. Um, I got a few messages actually. I see my sister, and she says, "How was that? Um, kind of working for Arsenal and literally wearing a red and white scarf, by the way, everyone, <laughs> because it's cold, and you know you're the announcer and etc. You're the person who everyone's kind of." listening to and and when you're in that kind of ground they can see you as well and also because I was on the screens at, at, at the Emirates during the week when they were playing Barcelona in in the Women's Champions League so it kind of they they described me as the voice of Arsenal and that sort of thing but they're playing Leicester and it was the first time to see Leicester in their new 
incarnation as a WSL club with a new manager, uh, and also just to see the setup and how they are, and how that they differ or are they similar to other clubs who turn up because they're all the clubs now they're all very very professional etc you know all the gear and everything and it's all all kind of top class and ran well Leicester though just just from the outset they did look very very professional the way that um the coaching sticks on there for hours beforehand and the way that all the coaching staff kind of handled themselves and it was all very obvious but what you want to see and then Heskey was there uh, and it was it, they were they were really good Leicester they were very good very limited and that's nothing to take away from the side at all but you take you play in Arsenal here so one of the best sides in you'd say in the world really but in European football certainly one of the best sides in European football top of the league in the WSL Leicester from from what I was watching they look to be slightly limited. They look to be a side where there's no real... And this is kind of what we've been saying. No real star. There's no out-and-out, out, right, you're the X-factor. You're the person who's going to score or, you you know, the, the centre midfielder, etc. This is what they'll need to bring in and need to attract the real top-class players to Leicester, and which they can now with the facilities and everything. So that's what they need. The rest of the side, and they got beat 4-0, by the way, two very late goals, but it was... Um, it was 2-0 for, for a fair while until those two late goals. But the one thing I will say about Leicester, they were unbelievably well-organised. Uh, compared to most teams that turn up, in fact, compared to every side that turns up, apart from, say, your Chelsea's or whatever, who turn up to go and win, to get the results. And then the other side, a lot of them turn up to try and just hang on or or, or try and implement their style of game on Arsenal, but it, it, it invariably doesn't work because they're just too good. Leicester were unbelievably organised. Very, you can see, well coached. Uh, every player given absolutely 100%. And the back line, I have never, ever, in any format of football, whether it's men's, women's, amateur, professional, whatever, I've never seen a higher back line than that, than that game. The back line was close to the halfway line as you've ever seen in your life, Rob. And I'm talking when Arsenal had the ball 10 yards from the halfway line, inside their own half. The Leicester back line will be just inside the Leicester half. They pushed up so high, it was laughable, really. We sat there going, this is mad. They're going to just catch him on the break. Time after time, offside, offside, once or twice, obviously got through. Goalkeeper was very quick off a line. So this was a plan to try and stifle Arsenal. Ultimately, it kind of worked. There was one goal scored, which they broke the trap and then squared it across and scored. But they are missing. The, the, the goalkeeper's a brilliant shot stopper, but it's not the regular goalkeeper who's out. And the rest of the team, yeah, again, like I said, compared to Arsenal, way below Arsenal standard. But compared to a lot of other clubs who turn up, I'd still say Leicester were a lot far further down than the nose. Your average WSL side, Leicester are below that level from what I've seen. But the way that they were organised and the way that they implemented themselves on the game was right at the top of the table. And that's definitely not with blue glasses on because where I was sitting, you sit next to like the chief execs and etc. and all that sort of thing are nearby, who obviously after all these years are kind of known and, and talked to during the game. They were all unbelievably impressed with what Leicester were doing. Um yeah, so so that's that's kind of my review. A really good positive review, but they just need some new signings on the pitch. Everything else everything else is top class. It's just we need some better players. That defensive line sounds like my idea of an absolute nightmare. Um, as a, unreal. As, a, as an amateur centre-back myself with a pace that is rapidly decreasing as I enter my 30s, I can't think of anything worse than chasing balls over the top. I'd rather be sat on the edge of my own box and, and, and looking at it all and, and, and getting rid of it from, from that point of view. I'm glad you enjoyed your day out. I'm glad you made it first and foremost because I'll tell you what, you were one of the last to stumble out of the venue so uh, I didn't have high hopes of you making it back to your to your own bed successfully and safely that night. I walked out with um, two pint glasses full. <laughs> you did walk out with two pint glasses still full going to an after party that didn't exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we, we went to um, the Winter Wonderland Christmas Market thing at Nottingham 
the next day with our, both sets of parents, my brother and his girlfriend and, and the nieces. And then uh, just as the, the little girls were getting tired and getting ready to go, it just happened to coincide with the, the second half of the Leicester game. Uh, and we ended up going into a pub in Nottingham to watch the most of the second half of Leicester Newcastle, which made for very good viewing, actually. It's, it's uh, a positive review of that game that I was watching uh, in a different way to the to the Leicester women's game, um, because rather than losing 4-0, Leicester's men's side won 4-0. Um, Newcastle aren't great, let's be honest. Eddie Howe has done very little to secure them defensively. But on uh, in a week where we managed to somehow end up in the Europa Conference League, a 4-0 win against Newcastle, a first Premier League clean sheet since the first game of the season. That put the silver lining on the wedding weekend for me from a footballing point of view. Some of the goals Leicester scored were fantastic. Some of the attacking play was excellent. And, and you could see the longer the game went on and the longer it looked like they were going to keep a clean sheet, the more determined they were to do so. There was high fives, fist bumps every time a block was made or a clearance was made. Um, and it was a, a complete team effort to keep that clean sheet. I think the thing I was most impressed with was where Leicester won the ball back. It, it's characteristic of Leicester when they're more confident, Leicester when they're playing better, Leicester when they're at their most effective is when they win the ball back off of their opponents in their half. There were times when, let's say, one of the Newcastle wingers or wingbacks picked the ball up out wide uh, and Luke Thomas, who had a great game for Leicester at left-back, was over the halfway line already, right up against it, winning that ball back. And I think that led to one of the goals as well. So it was just a real a performance where Leicester, I think, benefited from not conceding the first goal as well. Grew into the game a little bit, got going, got four goals, kept a clean sheet. Thoroughly positive performance. All we've got to hope now, though, Pete, is the last time we were talking on the podcast after a, a win and a couple of positive performances, we were saying, is this the turning point? Is this the point where Leicester start to gather some momentum for their season? It fell flat on its face last time, but I'm hoping this one is a more positive step. It's a very interesting position we're in, not just in football terms, but also the wider world. With games falling by the wayside, Leicester are... When you listen to this podcast, we're recording the day before we're due to play Tottenham. Now, whether that game goes ahead, we'll wait and see because games are falling by the wayside, even with two hours till kickoff in Burnley against Watford's case. It's um, all, all those things will happen and we'll just have to roll with the punches. But I think the, the Newcastle game, because I was listening to the Newcastle game um, in a kind of half and half sense because I had the the Grand Prix as well uh, <laughs> so it was kind of a, a, a real mixed bag uh, of what's going on in, in the sporting world on the way down to the to the Arsenal um, I think it really I, I, I've kind of put it in, in in the section of it's kind of where we are Rob it, 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 we've played against the poor side and we've beat them well and it's great to see Euro Tillemans back and the Tillemans Madison's continuing his form uh Shepshire Pele, Kieran Dusby-Hall, he's uh, Kieran Dusby-Hall's playing really well, giving the energy into the side that's needed, but not without a, a, a lack of skill either. And then also you throw in your Barnes and your Dakers, etc. It's a very exciting midfield going forward. Problems at the back, which we'll come on to when we kind of discuss the situation at the squad at the moment. But we're beating a side that we should beat. And it's a reminder to everyone, really, that we are a good side and we can put teams to the sword. But also, you then, when that happens, look back and go, why have we done it to other sides? Well, it's just where we are at the moment as a football club and the status of the squad, really, in terms especially of injuries and players missing, etc. But So why not enjoy it? Because we could end up finishing in ninth place this season. And if we do that, we've still got chances in all cup competitions to come. So it's not all a bad thing. So enjoy these results you know yes then look forward and go right next game next game but I think you have to give in context of, of just this one game uh, good goals fantastic uh, I really like the second goal Uri Tenemans the, the setup from like Madison etc again the energy from from KDH and, and just a, a really good goal fantastic celebration by Dakar 
Dakar as well, in the games he's played recently, I've been impressed with his all-round game. Madison was talking after the game and he mentioned about his, his all-round game, the fact that he's so unselfish, works hard, which a lot of players can do, and you can say that straight away. It's a bit like what I said about, about KDH, saying, oh, the energy he gives in midfield. Well, that's not taken away from his lack of skill at all. His passing, his, his work rate getting back, his all-round kind of number eight style midfield play is really impressive. And when you then look at Dakar and what's being said about him by Madison, it was it was great to hear, you know, the fact that he, he comes across as seeming like a really good lad and, and quite humble as well to be at Leicester. And that's what he was saying. That's what exactly he's like. And also the fact that he's very similar to Vardy in, the, in his style of play, in his physical attributes as well. And that was mentioned by Madison. So all that we kind of interpret and, and, and say ourselves, it's nice to hear an actual teammate saying the same things to kind of say, yes, that's what, what we've said is, is accurate. So that's great to hear. And he's been playing well. I know it was a tap-in, but getting involved in these games, a bit like, again, um, Dewsby Hall as well, not necessarily being the man of the match, although some people might say, but not necessarily being that kind of star man, but really fitting into a Premier League side and in the Premier League side, that's gone and won 4-0, again, against the Newcastle, but still, not looking out of place at all. And that's what I like with, so, unless you're a superstar, if you come into a side, whether you're a new signing or whether you're a young player, if you come into the side and instantly you're a superstar, fine, great. But if not, you don't look out of place. That's what you want one of these young players to All of a sudden, you just want them to be completely one of the team. And you forget that actually they're very inexperienced. And that's really starting to happen now with Jewsby Hall. It started to happen with Thomas. I know he's had his bad games every now and again. And I think he will because of possibly his 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 size and his physical scope as a, as a fullback. But also I think he got exposed by the position he was being asked to play as well at times. You look back to the Arsenal game straight away. So Thomas... On occasion, or more than more than one occasion, actually has, has been caught out. But away from that, has looked very settled, and he had a really good game as well. Uh, last couple of games, in fact. So he's again feeling like a, a genuine Premier League player, first team Leicester player. And that's what's happening with KDH, and that's what's happening with Dakar as well. We know he's got his talents. We know he's got his real X factor points, but the rest of his game, it's really starting to now click. And he's looking settled. And again, he's not looking out of place in this side. And that's when Leicester are playing well. Now, when they're playing poorly, that's different. But when they're playing well and you're not looking out of place, that's a very positive thing because that just proves what good a player they are because they're playing with an informed Madison, which is obviously top-notch, uh, Yuri Tillemans, who had a really, really top-class game, and we know how good he is. So when you're not looking out of place along those two, alongside those two playing well... That that's only just bodes well for the future, I think. Yeah, of course it does. And you're talking of homegrown players. You've got McAteer coming on for his debut. Been at the club since he was, what, eight years old. Um, obviously, he was thrown in because the squad was looking severely depleted. Um, but if the game against Tottenham does go ahead uh, at the time of recording tomorrow evening, then some of those young players are likely to be needed uh, and are likely to be called upon. And he's, he's done himself no harm whatsoever. I know he came on for a few minutes and just put himself about a little bit. But he's clearly been watched in the development squad for a few years. you got a couple of other youngsters on the bench there. I know Nelson is a centre-back and we're in a bit of a centre-back crisis uh, at the time of recording. With no fit senior centre-backs, Daniel Amati might be just about fit enough for the bench. Um and everybody else is pretty much a goner, so it might be that we see some younger players. It's an interesting balance to have to strike, isn't it? Whether you bring in the young players uh, because it's their specific position or whether you put a senior pro in who can do a job there even though it's not their actual position. Obviously, in an ideal world, you do what you've done with Dewsbury Hall, who has not very often been needed to play in central midfield for Leicester this season, but he has had the opportunity to play there for squad rotation or the odd little injury every now and again. And he's got himself to the point, really, in the form that he's in at the moment, I'd pick him over Samari, and he has been picked 
over Samari and proven to be more effective in, in games than him um, in the last few, which is a fantastic position to be in. He's really sort of built his way into the squad. Luke Thomas was thrown in during lockdown, wasn't he, during all the games behind closed doors because uh, of injuries at left back. And I guess trying to learn in that environment without the fans there is slightly different. Uh, and I think he is obviously he's what three years younger than Dewsbury Hall or something, so he's still got some physical development to go. I think that's one of his main areas. Naturally, the older you get as a footballer, the the more uh, the greater your awareness is, the the greater your positional sense is. Just as you become more mature and more experienced at that kind of level, so that will. Uh, or is highly likely to come along with him. But the physical side of things as well, he, he's broken into the Leicester team as a teenager. He's got a few years still to sort of build himself up and have the pace and the power and the strength to play either fullback or wingback at, at this kind of level, really. I think I think um, overall, Rob, I think overall, mm. just focusing on Thomas, I think overall from, again, when, when, you, when you mentioned he came in during lockdown, etc., and slightly different circumstances I think overall his Leicester career has been extremely positive and he's a very very good player going forward there's obviously work work to do but right now he's uh, he's been a, a, a revelation I'll really go as far as that because again he's not looked out of place which how many youngsters coming through you think oh yeah and then all of a sudden you naturally no they're just not that level Thomas is one, so it's really, really positive. He's not going to be first choice when everyone's back because we have star players in that position. But as you said, there's still plenty of time. You know, being what three years behind Dewsbury Hall, if he eventually gets good enough to go in front of them. But you know, you need a squad nowadays, as we've seen and in the last few days, or well, to be fair, a few months really at Leicester. So yeah, yeah, I wasn't really being down on him, but compared to what Dewsbury Hall's doing at the moment. Um, I think there's a way to go, but he's been undoubtedly a real, real success story, not just for the club, but for him himself as well. And yeah, of course he has, and you've only got to look at it from a different perspective. What would Leicester City be doing without Luke Thomas right now? What would Leicester City have done without Luke Thomas in the in the last 18 months? And the answer is that they would have struggled. And he is clearly up to it because you could, for example, you could start... Uh, the experience of Mark Albrighton at right back and move Castagna over to left back if you didn't think Thomas was ready and move Thomas to the bench. Ryan Bertrand, we, we won't go into too much detail about. We've we've uh, had our said our piece on him so far in terms of his Leicester career. But the guy's got England caps. He's won a Champions League. Luke Thomas starts ahead of him at left back and has done in the, in, in countless games this season. So he is keeping other players out of the team he's not a certainly not a last ditch choice and I think the reason that we're both talking about his areas for development is is predominantly because we're so both so excited to have him in the team and excited about the fact that he's already at this level at this age he's still clearly got lots of potential that he could f fulfill and he could go on to be a really established left back he could he could quite conceivably go on to have the kind of quality and the career that Ben Chilwell is enjoying, for example. They, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say they're quite similar sort of players, really. So, I, I think we're, I don't think we're being harsh. We're celebrating the fact that he's, that he's quite clearly a first team squad member. He is improving all the time. He's putting some superb performances. He he's works really well with games. Barnes, doesn't he? Barnes he, he, is a a plus point for him when he's in the same Absolutely, side. yeah. And and a, a plus point for Leicester fans to have two academy graduates working so well together on the flank of a team that's in the in the top half of the Premier League is fantastic to see. Uh, so I think the fact that we, we, we're saying Thomas is doing exceptionally well, we're, we're very, very positive about it. The reason we're highlighting these little areas is because we, for what our opinion is worth, think that there's a, still even more to come from him and that's quite clearly very exciting. I wonder what Rodgers will do over the next few days though uh, and Pete I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this do you throw in a couple of youngsters out of necessity because it's their position or do you jiggle things around a little bit uh, and find a way to fit in your senior pros in a system that kind of 
plugs a few gaps for a couple of games in the hope that you get a couple of bodies back to to fitness or in the hope that the Premier League sees sense and actually uh, postpones a game to give you a little bit of respite to kind of break the cycle. Would you, would you bring in a youngster at centre-back, for example? That's the, that's the key area. Or would you do something like putting Albrighton in at full-back and moving Castagna inside? He's played as part of a three. Bertrand's played as part of a three. Could they play as, as, as part of a, a two? Or would you play Ndidi in the middle of a three and play two full-backs as the other two side of the three? It, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Or would you, would you chuck someone like Nelson from the under-23s straight in at centre-back for their Premier League debut from the start against Tottenham? That last word is is the reason why I'm going to go with the way I'm going to go. Tottenham, who have not set the world on fire, but you are dealing with Harry Kane and Hyunmin Son. So that's why I would more than likely go with experience rather than throwing the nails. So I go, right, you go and play alongside Wilfred and Didi at centre-half. That's not what you want a young player experiencing Premier League football. You don't want that to happen. If it's against Newcastle or against, say, Norwich or whatever, and you're playing alongside Johnny Evans and then your first team left back and right back, then fine, I can see how that would be a case. But not in this case. That, that for me, would be... Unless there's no other option. The options are quite simple, really. Evans, Soyuncu, Fafana, Vestergaard, Benkovic, uh, Justin, all out. Uh, Almartin apparently not fit enough to play, but maybe on the bench. I, I presume the fact that he's on the bench means he's. If we had a fully fit squad, he would be nowhere near the bench because he, he's not fit enough. But he can just scramble on there. So there's technically no centre halves, senior centre halves at the football club fit. Now we know that Rogers wanted the game called off. They've got COVID cases, but they haven't closed the training ground down, which other clubs have. Interesting that Manchester United closed their training ground down. The game was postponed less than 24 hours later. Their training ground's open again. Hmm. But I can see the argument from the Premier League saying a lot of these are just injuries rather than or illness rather than being specifically illness COVID related. Uh, Tottenham is a different matter because they've had the game cancelled at the weekend. They've also had the uh, the Ren game, which in Europe could be played whenever or wherever in the future. Doesn't really concern us. So they've had their own problems. I'm quite surprised the game's going ahead because of other games falling by the wayside. I'm pretty sure if Leicester closed the training ground today, this morning, even if they did it themselves rather than under guidance from the uh, health and safety board or whoever, then the game would have been called off automatically. Uh, I still think at the time of recording, it could well be called off, you know what I mean, by, by four of the game. Um, so I'm going to go with Leicester with a back four. I think it would be foolish, the way that they played against Newcastle, to try and change it to a back three, unless there is no other option. And you, you mentioned really what probably will happen. You've got two players there, two senior first team players in Timothy Castagna and Wilfred Ndidi, who could play as a back two, Okay, the centre-half pairing. And I think they're both experienced enough to, to handle that and to do that. If they wanted to move into a three, then you could play in a back three. Now that possibly, you could then bring in someone like Ben Nelson. You could do that into a back three. So you have Castagna one side, maybe Wilf the other side or Nelson one side, and then say Wilf in the middle. That that could probably be, happen. Uh, I would though like them to, to, to go with the four. All Brighton, Thomas uh, as wing-backs, etc., or full-backs, should I say, and, and and go that way. That That's the way I would go. And then the rest of the side picks itself, which is what you want. You want them Samari in midfield instead of Ndidi alongside then Yuri Tillemans, and then the rest of the team going forward as against Newcastle. So it is just the back line that really is the the kind of issue. So everything's exactly the same. The formation is the same. You can play the same. You've just gone on 1-4-0. Confidence is high. Go and score goals. Uh, as for the back line, I know we kept the clean sheet. Great. Fantastic. But let's go and score goals because there's a very good chance we might be slipping up at the back here. And the game could be a real end-to-end -end bit of a barnstormer, loads of goals. In that case, let's go through and try and score as many as we can. Job done. Um, Vardy, I'd imagine, will come in to the starting lineup. Not a problem. Uh, no real change there, but that's what I would do. Um, unless there is the unless 
say Rogers looks at it and goes, actually, no, we're going to go with the back three. You could then maybe play Bertrand in there if you want to, you know, if you want that uh, in a more kind of limited capacity, which might be kind of up Bertrand Street at the moment. In theory, you know, you're not you're not playing him out wide. You're not playing at fullback. You're not asking him to go forward or do anything uh, spectacular. Just do your basics. Be in that back three. He's played there before in a back three. So if that's the case, there you go. This is where someone like this is where whatever happens, whatever sides put out, and whatever formation they go with, you you trust Rogers. You go right. Well, this is basically him and his backroom staff have discussed this. They've looked at who's fit, what's the best option, and then you put your hands up and go as a supporter. Well, that's the manager's decision. That's he's the best man for the job. And and with someone like Brendan Rogers, you'd trust him to make not the right decision because ultimately it's still whoever's out on the field to play. They've got to do the job, but. You look to make the more most sensible decisions. So if it is a back three and Nelson's in there, great. Or Bertrand, fine. But I, just for me, would probably go with exactly the same as what's just happened against Newcastle. But obviously the back line, putting the few experienced pros in different positions to what they're normally used to playing. And hopefully we can still score more than the opposition. Because if they keep a clean sheet against, I know, not too informed Tottenham, but that would be some effort, really. It would. I think it depends, really, on how highly Rogers rates Nelson because at, at 17, you, as a centre-back, it's exceptionally <clears throat> rare that, that a 17-year-old's ready for first-team football in the Premier League at the age of 17. I, I think it's typically, apart from goalkeepers, maybe it's the area where the maturity comes a little bit later and that's possibly why the careers tend to go on a couple of years longer as well. You don't see many centre-backs at their best until they're in their sort of mid to late 20s. So if you're talking on that theory, he's what, eight to ten years away from being at his best? Now, that it depends a little bit on where they think he is right now in terms of his development and, you know, is, is he good enough to to play? I totally agree with what you're saying there. If it was a Newcastle or a Norwich, then you'd you'd give him a go in that game. Um, but the the problem is at centre back the uh, the pressure is the pressure pressure's on all over the pitch. Of course it is. You're playing for Premier League points at the end of the day. You're playing in front of millions of watching fans around the world. But centre back is a is a position where mistakes are highlighted and mistakes can lead directly to goals. Whereas you see quite a lot of 17, 18 year old academy players being brought into attacking positions with nobody really batting an eyelid and nobody saying, whoa, 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 steady on, that's going to cause us some problems, um, potentially. Or should we rejig things to get a more senior pro in there? You know, it, it doesn't tend to matter that much the further up the pitch. It's just a, it's just a really sort of scrutinised position at centre-back. And that's why it's really a problem for Leicester. And, and you know, it, it's, it's just un- unfortunate, really unfortunate that the the players unavailable are in the same position as the other players that are unavailable more long term. You know, like Fafana um, and and Justin. You would you'd you'd have no qualms whatsoever if James Justin was fit and didn't start the game against Newcastle because he didn't get in the starting eleven. You'd have no qualms whatsoever, really. I know it's not his first choice position, but in saying right, swap Evans for Justin in the starting lineup, and that and that's it. Crack on. But, you know, we haven't got that luxury at the moment. And that's obviously something that Rogers was saying as well. He's saying that the injuries are, OK, not directly COVID-related, but some of them have been caused by players having to play more games than they would have if Leicester could have rotated their squad, but they couldn't because certain players were out through COVID. So other players had to play more than they would have. They've not been able to manage them and therefore they are now injured. That's the point Brendan Rodgers was trying to make when he was challenged on the fact that the players aren't all out because of COVID. Uh, and you can totally understand it, especially in a, a period of time where we, we spoke a few weeks ago on the podcast about this being a very condensed fixture list. December always is, you know, especially the fact that Leicester are in the, all the competitions still. It's all woeful timing, woefully bad luck. And uh, Leicester, unfortunately, at the time of recording, are just being made to get on with it. They are, and I'm, I'm certainly in the camp of get the game on, 
because if, unless you've got a severe outbreak of COVID and it's and it's stopped for that reason, then at the moment Leicester have got fourteen outfield players that are fit. Um, although Armati being one of them isn't quite. Uh, and then, so four at least under-23 players will have to come into the first-team squad. There's only two keepers uh, with no um, Jakubovic. So it is it is pretty pretty bare, do you know what I mean? That's, that's pretty bare. But also, if you've got 14 fit outfield players, 13 slash Armati, then bringing in four under-23 players... If that was the case, if there was no such thing as COVID and some and a team had an injury crisis like that, you would say, okay, yeah, you've got your injury problems. Only 14 fit outfield players, you're going to have to bring in under 23 players. But but you would say, don't call the game off. So I'm, I'm still a believer if that's the case, the game should go ahead. It is ultimately bad luck for Leicester. It would be ideal if the game was called off, don't get me wrong, but... As a, a as someone who who follows football more generally than saying being a Leicester fan, I would say get the game on, absolutely get the game on. Now, obviously, with my Leicester hat on, you'd go. Actually, it'd be nice if it was called off. To be perfectly honest, because with everything that's going on, you know, we'd rather have a home game against Spurs with a fully fit side out, even if it gets played in February, March, or whenever. So that's where I'm standing at the moment. But we'll, we'll see what happens. It's uh, it's going to be a real interesting kind of balance of 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 who starts and 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 also how they handle the game. I mentioned about oh yeah, just going to go score more, score more. That might actually be the case. Leicester go two 0 up, and it's a case of actually let's let's go and get another one because you know with with players at the back and etc. Who knows? Who knows? It's it's going to be very difficult to preview. Also, along with the game against Everton on on Sunday because. That game at the moment is looking like a very, very crucial game for Everton in regards to their manager, etc. I know they had that win against Arsenal, but Arsenal, are, just like when they played against Leicester, they can play well for, for for periods of time, especially, say, the first half, first 60 minutes, and then they just fall apart, really. Or when they take their eye off the ball, they're very easy to be get, got at, and that's what Everton did. But they showed then their true colours later on uh, by losing the next game fairly heavily, or, or convincingly, really, not really heavily, but... It was. Um, it could well be the end of days for Benitez. A great chance to go and get three points. A great chance to go and win. And hopefully on the back of maybe a win against Spurs as well. Maybe three on the bounce. That would be ideal. And then you start looking forward. I think it was Villa who are on the borderline of, of being eighth, seventh, sixth in the league because they've gone and won a number of games on the bounce, as we all know. Uh, so, yes, a positive run of fixtures. And who knows... The, the Everton game, I'm not entirely sure who they're playing midweek, to be honest, because games are being called off left, right and centre, and it's all a bit of a mess. But um, a real chance for, for Leicester, as I look for Everton, well, they're playing Chelsea at the time of recording tomorrow away. So they could get a hiding at Chelsea, and then they're playing on TV, early doors against Leicester. Well, if Leicester go one up at Everton, think of what the crowd are going to be doing. Yeah, they've already kind of needed cajoling background, haven't they, the Everton fans? It started with the negativity towards Benitez with his Liverpool ties. He kind of They had a really good start to the season where everybody thought Damari Gray was the best player in the world. Uh, and then they've very significantly tailed off. A couple of results recently that suggested things might be picking up again, but then, you know, it, as you said, it, it was Arsenal and they, they have the potential to to put in a, a performance like that occasionally in a result like that. It's it's an interesting one with Everton because they're always a team that you would expect to do similarly well to to Leicester, to be honest with you. That you'd say by and large, in terms of the size of the club, the quality of the players when the squad is is fully available, uh, and the fact that they've got what's widely considered to be a world class manager, that you'd expect them to be comfortably within the top half uh, and although people were surprised by the start they made to the season and didn't necessarily expect them to maintain it it wasn't completely completely out of the blue but they are stuck right in the bottom half of the table at the moment and they do represent a side that can be beaten as do Tottenham and you know I find myself sitting here sounding like a broken record like I did a few weeks ago but 
Leicester could really do with, especially in this tough period of fixtures, especially in this tough period of injuries, could really do with stringing a few results together. And I think you're right about Everton having uh, been on the receiving end of a of a bit of a hiding from Chelsea because Chelsea have been, I wouldn't say stuttering of late, but they've not been their usual clinical selves. So I think um, somebody's going to come in for a, a bit of a beating, especially as they've uh, watched Manchester City put seven past Leeds last night. Something to kind of prove that they are more than up for the fight there. So Everton could be a bit wounded on Sunday lunchtime. Um, Leicester typically this season haven't really woken up for for lunchtime kickoffs and not really got going, but let's hope that that's a thing of the past. And uh, you, you turn the crowd against Everton and they're, they're going to be looking a little bit lost, you've got to imagine, especially if Leicester can beat Spurs tomorrow night and have a bit of a spring in their step. That's that's That seems to be key for Leicester at the moment because confidence, momentum and, and general sort of positivity it comes in waves during seasons. Of course it does. It's a long old season. 38 Premier League games and God knows how many other cup games and European games. But if Leicester can just hit a mini patch of of confidence, it will probably, hopefully, drag us through this tough period. Yeah, just looking at the Premier League itself, we are 8th, 16 games played, which is... Pretty similar to most teams around us. Villa played one more. Spurs have played a couple less. So a win will take us then level with Tottenham in the league and we will go above them actually on goal difference. So you'll be up to seventh uh, regardless of what happens elsewhere. And then within touching distance of, of again, further climbs up the table, up towards sixth and fifth and, and ultimately where we want to be. So again, it's not all not all doom and gloom and, and the... Well, the Best news, really, at the moment, is the fact that uh, James Justin, uh, being reported by um, John Percy, is on the on the verge of a of a first team return. Now, we know he's picked up a little bit of a a knock in I think it was in training, but you're going to get that in muscle injuries after a long term absence. Always is the case, uh, and also the fact that he's going to be given a new deal, or the talks are going to begin on a new deal. Also, Wesley Fofana talks on a new deal. Uh, will be happening. Great news. Who knows what kind of valuation they're going to put in there. I'd imagine there will be some kind of clause in his contract saying you're you're worth X or if a club, probably a Champions League club, etc. come in and have a chat, whatever. But there will be a, a, obviously a very, very sizable fee. Um, Yuri Tillemans, it was great to see him play. Really good performance. Everyone's highlighted the, the fist pumping like you said earlier. His contract is, is is a big problem, isn't it? He, if you ask me now, is he going to be here next season? I know that doesn't really matter at the moment, but I can't see it at all. I think this is, you know, we enjoy Yuri Tillemans as we've got him still because I think he's probably going to want to move on to to a, a Champions League club. And 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 if you think about it that way, and it could be anyone, it, it could well be outside of the Premier League. But um, you think of it that way, and Leicester very unlikely to be in the Champions League next year. Uh, unless something rather dramatic happens, you can't maybe begrudge him after the the two near misses. But good news on the contract front for a couple that that's being talked about, and also that the club, even though they want to protect their players and their valuation, etc., which they do quite well at Leicester, as we know, but also the fact that these are two long-term injuries that they're more than likely, because this isn't just rumours, again, it's, it, it's Percy, etc., that... Um, that they're confident that they'll be back and, and fully fit and, and able to hit the levels that they were uh, at times with Fafana, looked absolutely exceptional and for such a young and raw player still. And then James Justin, again, just never stopped improving. And as Gareth Housegate said, would have been in the England squad for the Euros in the summer. Uh, so he's got an awful lot of catching up. And who knows if he has a really good end of season, he, he might be in the World Cup squad. Um, it could easily be that. You carry on, Rob, because that's my Chinese that's just turned up. Your Chinese has just turned up at this time. Uh, all right, Pete, you get the door. Priorities, I see. No for Fox 8 podcast. Let me get my Chinese. Midweek takeaway as well. I treated myself to one of them last night. I did, uh had a Pizza Hut last night because the wedding diet is now well and truly over. Let's let's be perfectly honest. Don't need to get in the suit. Don't need to look good in pictures. Christmas round the corner. Um, 
you're back. Are you keeping it warm? No, I'm back. I'm back, Rob. I'm back, Rob. It's um, yeah. I I I heard that last bit. I will say, um, JMO. As much as you do, you go to a uh, you go to a wedding and you say, "Oh yeah, doesn't doesn't the bride look lovely?" Which of course she did, fantastic dress, etc. All 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 uh, all very nice, you know. But um, I said to I said to JMO and JMO said to me that he he's a lot of people said said Rob looks good, doesn't he? In like in the suit and everything. But you know, you you said you mentioned a few times about being on a not a a, a wedding kind of regime or whatever, but. Uh, no, it was noted by many people there. Uh, you know how how well you looked in. You know, there you go. So you could play centre half for City. Get down there. We need you. I could. Well, we need there's, you. There's talk of Colo Torre putting his boots on or something like that. But uh, you know, I, I think he'd still definitely be do much a much better job than me. But I do appreciate those comments. Thank you a lot. I lost. I was one pound off losing a stone. In preparation for the wedding, it was no. It bad. was noted by many. I, I said it to JMO, and he basically looked span around at me and went. I said that earlier. We and everyone kind of on the table, whoever they were, they all kind of nodded. They went, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, very, so very, very <laughs> kind of you to say so. Thank you. Sorry, sorry for the listeners who could not give a hoot about uh, my wedding chat. Uh, one more. Oh, I think they I do. They do. They do. Well, they might. They they might do. Uh, I did enjoy actually. Just one last thing on the wedding chat before we we wrap up the the football chat. I enjoyed your your tweet, your picture of of the two of us at, at the wedding. Uh, and at the bottom, if anyone wants to marry Pete, get in touch. I enjoy it. That's like a little Lonely Hearts column, that one. I enjoyed that very much. It, thing um, is, though, thing is, though, God. right? Um, imagine, imagine the do. What, for your wedding? Imagine. Right, and I'll tell you what, imagine if you found your future wife from a tweet from For Fox 8 podcast, yeah. because the chances are if the, if that person saw that, then they would be a football fan, and you know, football and social media could bring you together. Maybe the, that's the way. Maybe, maybe it just, is the way. Maybe, maybe yeah. there's a, a a vixen out there who maybe uh, there is Vicky. <laughs> get Vicky, dust the old Vicky costume off, and get her out of the bowels of Filbert exactly. Street. It's uh, <laughs> maybe maybe there is a, a Vicky vixen. But imagine the do. It would be it would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? it we would definitely do a for fuck's sake on you know <laughs> at the do. We would, and then we would never ever work again. Either of us, <laughs> me and me, not in a primary school, and you not in broadcasting. That would no, that would be the end. That it would, would ruin. It, it would ruin both of our careers for very, very similar ways. But it would it would ruin both of our careers mainly yes, because of the language used. But um. anyway, the the language used on Thursday night, mine wasn't particularly pleasant. I've got to say because the Europa League group stages, they came to their conclusion. And we discussed all of the different permutations of the group in a previous podcast. And I essentially said the last thing that I want to happen is for Leicester to finish third uh, and end up sliding into the Europa Conference League, which we have subsequently found out Brendan Rodgers knows absolutely naff all about. I, I said as a quick recap that I would rather finish fourth and not play in Europe anymore than congest the fixture list further with games in Europe's third tier of competition. Um, you kind of made a point for the Conference League, it being the inaugural one would go down in a bit of history and the Europa League reformat was a bit uh, sort of looked down upon at the time, but now it's become uh, a fairly reputable competition in a way that uh, clubs can compete against other good, very good European teams. And also it's a a potential path to silverware or path back to the Champions League. And I kind of take your point, and, and the Conference League could could prove to be that, but I was still extremely disappointed on the night. Um, but it, it really does show that when your look's not in, it's really not in. Of course, I'm not blaming the entire situation of Leicester finishing third in their group on bad luck alone. That's simply not the case. But on the night, to have a post-hit to have Castagna within somebody's body of opening their scoring, which may have put a slightly different complexion on the game, and then to lose 3-2 but still be waiting on a result from elsewhere, and then the team that you need to score a goal to get a point to put Leicester into second place or whatever it would have done, but definitely kept us in the Europa League, 
and there's a missed stoppage time penalty. It just felt like it it was destined to happen that Leicester would come out of the Europa League and and slide down into the into the Conference League. Just nothing nothing quite went that night. Uh, and the draws happen now. Leicester have drawn um, Danish cup holders Randers. Uh, I also enjoyed your tweet about that, Pete, and I will let you repeat that for those not on social media or or who missed it. But Randers, the Danish Cup champions in the playoff knockout round of the Europa Conference League, it's going to take some getting used to. Yeah, I was I, I looked on on the map to find out where they are in in Denmark. Are they near Copenhagen or whatever? They're not. Um, they're about fifth. Not the greatest side. When you look at some of the teams we could have played, it's probably a good draw overall. I said it's spelt Rangers wrong, and, and I think a million people said that joke. But we were the first. We're going to claim that one. But I'm. I saw actually about uh, people were talking about Ali McCoist the other week, and um, and how really good a a pundit and co-commentator he is. Uh, and one of his his main points, or uh, main plus points, which was highlighted, I think, in a few columns that probably got retweeted or, or, or kind of replied to was the fact that he will actually correct his mistakes he won't just say something and then if it completely opposite happens even on a on a replay of something that's happened seconds ago some pundits would actually just carry on what they first thought even though it's completely obvious it was wrong and of course we'll actually go hang on that's wrong um i'm gonna put my hands in the air and say i'm i think i was wrong a couple of weeks ago because uh, I've got no real interest in this uh, Europa Conference League saying that it was a uh, we could still be the first team to win it etc that will be the case if we get to say the quarter semi-finals or whatever that's when maybe um, you look at maybe a ho- hopefully a, a fully fit Leicester squad maybe starting to go for it you get to a semi-final of any competition then you want to then really win it, don't you? That's that's the really excitement stage, quarterfinal, semi-final. So there is still that. So I'm not throwing it in the bin completely. But I will kind of draw back on what I kind of said and go, hang on, I, I might have gone a bit too far because we're still way off that stage. And I'm glad it's not for an awful long time. I'm glad it's not till February because we can just basically put it out of our mind. And I think Brendan Rodgers pretty much got it right, saying I don't, you know... Don't know anything about it, really. We'll we'll cross that hurdle when we get to it, and yeah. So uh, so uh, yeah, I will put my hands in the air and go. Yeah, it wasn't great, especially when that ninety seventh minute penalty. I couldn't believe it, because uh, you knew that Leicester were going to get a good tie in that thirty two. This is the way I, I I kind of flip round. I went from then going right. If we go through into the playoff for the Europa League, we're going to have a, a big game. Whoever we play, it's going to be a big game. I, I called it kind of wrong, saying it would be an inconvenience having that. Well, actually, no. It would have been a good game to look forward to and enjoy. And, and who knows, then you go further in the Europa League and, and whatever. Turns out, Napoli went and got uh, went and got Barcelona, didn't they? But it's... Um, so, yeah. So, ultimately, I would have preferred that than then playing Randers, etc., but with that little kind of side of, well, hang on, if we do go towards the end of Europa Conference League, it might be that route back into Europe and it's a trophy, etc. And who knows, by then we could be on the uh, the Conference League bandwagon. But no, I'm I'm going to just put it in reverse and uh, and kind of just back away from what I said a couple of weeks ago. Ultimately, it's been a bit of a nightmarish campaign with obviously highlights being the DAC of four goals, um, KDH scoring that goal against Napoli. It, it turned out actually to be the game we said in the first half, especially when it just got just mad kind of end-to-end and it was just goals flying in left, right and centre. So we, we got that in the kind of prediction, but um, ultimately against the Napoli side who in reasonable full flow are always going to be difficult even though they've had their own kind of problems this season I think the sides really both performed how you would kind of put Leicester in this season in this context poor goals given away very poor um look good going forward scored a few goals etc one or two highlights and then Napoli very very similar always dangerous always got a threat always got a goal in them but ultimately again given away goals it's kind of how both sides have played. So it's no surprise it ended 3-2. So, yeah, it's it's going to be another campaign that you look back on disappointingly in Europa League. And then, but, and then you look at 
possibly, hopefully, fingers crossed, next season. And if they are in the Europa League by qualifying through winning cup competitions, who knows? Or even in the league. You look at what Leicester will be aiming for next year and it will always be to win anything. It will always be then to top four because of our recent history. But also now, and maybe you could start to label this with with Brendan and what his record was at Celtic in Europe, ultimately poor, and what his record has been at Leicester in Europe, ultimately poor. So who knows? Unless we got a Europa Conference League trophy, then yeah, it'd be good. But it's uh, well. What I'm saying is that at the looking at the start of next season, if we're in the Europa League, they will have to have learnt from what's happened over the last couple of years, because a lot of these players now will be into their third season at Leicester in Europe, playing in Europe. So they can't use the excuse of it's all new. It's it, it should be kind of old hat to them. And also, you look back on this group, and Spartak Moscow and um, Legia Warsaw, who have been in poor form in their you know respective competitions, but in this competition, I think they have stepped up. I think they have actually played their best football in this. I don't think anyone can really not label that. I think they really have played well against Napoli and Leicester. But ultimately, you look at the group and the fact that other teams were taking points of other teams. Two teams haven't gone and ran away with this. There hasn't been a team rock bottom of the group. It is disappointing. Overall, it is disappointing. But, and it's something, again, for next season to to look at and go, right, that really is a, a position that Leicester really needs to kind of improve because... I know the bookies say one thing, but they did go into the tournament as as joint favourites with Napoli. And it's been overall disappointing, but there we go. It's a a competition we can look forward to now, the Europa League, Rob. We're going to have the Europa League t-shirts, Europa Conference League winners t-shirts on next season. uh, Where is the final? Absolutely no idea. Is it Port Vale? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's the park next to Port Vale. (laughs) Oh dear. Anyway, that's uh, that's all to come. We'll, we'll again we'll cross that uh, that bridge when we get there in February or some sometime. I didn't even take note of when the games are. We'll forget that. We've got bigger fish to fry. Um, prediction, really, then, Rob. If the game against Tottenham goes ahead, and also I suppose you have to say if the game against Everton goes ahead, because at the moment, um, not to try and to be too downcast about things, it's all all slightly looking a bit familiar really from uh, from what's happened in the past what are your predictions going to be then Rob uh, we'll start off then with with the Spurs game I'd take a 1-1 against Spurs with no centre-backs to be honest with you I said earlier I think there could be it could be end-to-end plenty of goals etc etc I'm kind of going to reel back. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Leicester win. I think they might turn into a game where, with the changes for both sides, I think there's going to be maybe just a little bit of caution, possibly. I'm just going to roll back on, again, change my mind, whatever. I'm going to roll back on what I said. Actually, I think it might be a very cautious game. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win. Um, Vardy, ultimately, against Spurs. So, yeah, I'm going to go for 1-0 Vardy. And then we're going to go to Everton on Sunday. And I'm going to say this this could be the game that, that finishes Benitez. Because if we go there on the back of a couple of wins, I can see Leicester going and winning at, uh, at Everton. Early goal and Leicester go and win. Again, maybe maybe a 2-1, say. But uh, I, th- I think it might, because he's going to go eventually in the not-too-distant future. He's going to go. And hopefully we're that side... That uh, that makes him go. Nothing against Benitez at all. You know, I think he's been a very good manager. But he's. Uh, I'm going to go for two-one Leicester, and the end of Benitez. Well, I was going to say two-one as well, but uh, I will. Let, but my idea there would have been that Leicester were winning two-nil, uh, and Everton would have got some kind of late consolation. So you know what? To be different to you and to back our non-existent defence, I'll go for a, a clean sheet. Seeing as I've not backed us for a clean sheet against Spurs. I've got 2-0 Leicester against Everton. 
Excellent. Well, that's uh, hopefully that comes to uh, that, that comes right. That'll be that'll be a fantastic way to then go into Christmas week and uh, and then we'll go from there because with the podcast, I presume Rob. I mean, I, I've got a bit of time next week, obviously before before the big day itself. So we'll be back with the podcast before Christmas. I can't see any reason why not, unless I can. Um, I'm going on honeymoon. I was just about to say you're going on honeymoon, <laughs> aren't you? I'll, yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say right. unless We've, you're going. We're uh, we're about we're extremely close to pressing go on a on a last minute honeymoon that will probably put me out of action but I'll I'll see what what the timings are I'll see what we can do <laughs>